distinct segments. This is not live. So um, if we can stay on longer than a couple of seconds, if it drops off, we can actually kick off again. Mm, um, that would be good. So this is Fam Electric Ghost Show. We interview indie artists from around the world. We're on Spotify. Anchor is part of Spotify. And um, we're on 11 podcast platforms. And so we're interviewing Ezra. You're in uh, Norway, right? New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Down uh, the bottom almost, of the world. Almost right. <laughs> but, but, yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool that we can talk to people, you know, in a totally different part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we sent you the question. So we'll start into it. Um, typically, when we talk to musicians, we ask them, like, when did you first get into music? At what age? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I've always been drawn to music. So, it's really been a part of me as far back as I can remember. And I just, it's been a case of just expressing myself, like finding uh, the confidence to actually pick up an instrument, pick up a guitar, sing into a mic, record. And that's just been a process that I've kind of been on the last few years. So, but I've been drawn to it from when I was young and I've been writing and singing so, yeah, I find that uh, with me, it's it's kind of like a story that keeps opening up within my heart. Mm-hmm. I was reading your um, profile on SoundCloud, I mean, on Spotify, and it, mm. said, it says, like, you started writing and singing only a few years ago. So that kind of implies, at least That's pro- right. professionally, maybe like less than five years. But Yeah. But, but you were doing it before that. Yeah. Um, not in that way. I'm, I created my first single, A Sweet Whisper, in um, 2017 that was essentially when I started creating music holistically like uh, from from a recording perspective but I think I've been always playing with melody and writing story even stories and characters and lyrics since I was a little girl so uh, it's just kind of it's I guess it's been evolving over time yeah that's interesting because a lot of artists I talk to you know they, they do say that it's kind of like part of their dna you know it's like they feel like whether or not they were going to make money they were going to create art and then they found a way to actually market it or get it out there in the world um so so you've been working on music you know ever since you were young and now you yeah you've got it out there on spotify you got it out there on all the other platforms <clears throat> yeah yeah so like you one of the questions like when do you realize you had a talent for music and that you actually could write because there's a difference like there are people who are uh you know musicians but they never actually write their own material they'll, they'll play mm-hmm. other people's material so when did you think that decide that like you had a voice you had something to say with your instruments that you felt you could actually you know move in this direction yeah well because I've always written melodies and stories in my head, like as long as I can remember, because I was raised as an only child. I was also like a really lonely child. And during my parents' breakup and divorce, I, I almost used my melodies and my stories to kind of keep me company and um, like to find solace in them. And so I began to put it, put it together. I, I found that my uh, gift for writing uh, within like just just in a journal and also my gift for melody I found that the two of them actually worked together and I began to formulate formulate that and then study the craft of songwriting and so 
that's been a journey that I've been on. And uh, yeah, so I guess in a funny way that I just threw myself into threw myself into it and it became my friend almost writing my own material is like a total release for me and and I I don't I still don't know if I have talent for music but I I definitely know that I have to write and I have to just keep uh, pursuing that craft and well I I definitely feel you have a talent you you kind of channel Tori Amos you channel a, a lot of like new kind of synth wave dark wave um sound i i find really interesting um yeah so i i what i also have found like in a lot of artists that they actually do use their music in like a catharsis they they use it to kind of work out their own uh you know things that are going on in their life and you know poets and musicians and painters always seem to they take something of themselves and they put it into their art um totally and I think it's like, it's, I'm the same way. I, I write, I have a home studio and I've been writing since I was like 17. And I didn't start getting traction until I'm like in my 50s. I didn't get signed by a label until I was like 51. Uh, but wow. I just kept on doing it because I just felt like it was something that I used to express, you know, my own personal issues. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, musicians, you know, some musicians want to get, you know, on on the train and be super popular. And if they don't, you know, make it, then they don't continue. But other people, it's like part of their DNA, like I said, and they just mm-hmm. keep on doing it until like an audience actually then finds you because you just keep on working and you never know what's going to work. And, you know, failure is not a problem. I think as a musician, you keep on doing what you're doing and you find new ways to do it. And then suddenly audiences like find you because mm-hmm. they, 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 they can relate to what you're doing and you never know yeah. what's really going to kick it off. You just keep on working and then, you know, sometimes you just find they, the audience finds you and you find them. <laughs> but um, that's yeah. So, what were your influences or reference points when you're you're writing? Your your favorite artists that you were influenced by to kind of like give people like a, a feel for like what kind of music <laughs> like you are inspired by. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so I I really take my influences from almost any art I will talk about like my music but I, I find that uh, it's not just necessarily musicians I get inspired by it's anyone who can actually like channel emotion and be able to capture it and then bring it into a physical form so I'll find acting I'll even find like um, fictional characters and I, I'll find them inspiring and I'll just take parts of them that I really enjoy and I'll almost like uh, put them onto myself and like write from their perspective uh, in terms of music I think that uh, I grew up, um, well, uh, I, there was a band called Under Oath and that was re- kind of like defined me. It was like the anthems of my youth and it was kind of like a big um, underground. It's like heavy metal. So anything kind of dark and uh, with a little bit of dance, definitely I get drawn to. Uh, but I, I really, to be honest, when it comes to genres, I find that uh, genres like influences, they're a bit like relationships for me. I'm not really ready to commit to any long-term oh, okay. uh, genre or relation, like a relationship with genres. So I basically am saying like, I, I, I'll just take from a lot, a lot of different influences, just arts of all kinds, of all forms that I find drawn to that actually capture that emotion. I'll, I will, 
I, I find that pretty influential. So anything that takes me to a deeper experience or a, mm. or a new world. Yeah, I would say like when I do my music, I get I pull from people like Sun Ra, like very gentle yeah. jazz, and then I go toward like Hendrix, and then I'm into progressive, like synth bands, you know, or or keyboard bands like Yes, and uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer and Tangerine Dream. That's because I'm an actual, you know, I'm a keyboardist. Uh, I'm a, a yeah. synthesis. I use modes. I use analog synths. I actually create stuff from scratch, which today it's kind of rare because everybody's using soft synths and and um, you know plugins. But I mm-hmm. kind of record in an old fashioned way. I don't. Yeah, need, yeah. I don't use a DAW. I go directly into like a Zoom R24 and take yeah. take modes and profits and Rollins and record them kind of like stream of consciousness. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just a different way of working because people are always like, "Where are your where are your MIDI information?" I'm like, well, <laughs> I I just have like overdubs on top of overdubs on tracks, mm. which are stems, and I can pull them out, but there's no MIDI because I'm not r- running that way. Um, but I think everybody records in different ways. Everybody's influenced by different things. But you you're you're a musician. It's in, you play piano and guitar, or or do you do everything like in a DAW? Mm, I, I, all my, uh, when I, when I start writing or formulating songs, I, I generally just start off pretty basically actually like on guitar and, uh, or I'll work with somebody playing guitar or I'll have, um, even just, um, on my iPhone, I'll have like a, a melody or a recording and I will just bring that, um, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll formulate the chord structures out and, uh, we'll, we'll like begin to, basically um compact the song and and kind of create it and then it'll move off into the um the door the logic pro x is what i use but um and so i i think it just definitely begins with just (laughs) quite simply on guitar melodies in an iphone um and then kind of gets moved off into production where (laughs) that takes a little bit longer especially when you haven't trained in it in particular and for me a lot of the time um, music making has been a little bit like groping in the dark um, just trying different things until they fit mm-hmm. and um, going for like the song or the the sonic space that I want for my song and and that changes and like I said I'm not I'm not really really t- ready to commit to a, a genre or a particular style because I think I'm still finding myself as an artist and even as a vocalist and just as a writer, I've just got so many ideas and uh, yeah. And like I say, I draw from all sorts of influences, actors, actresses, musicians, characters, mm. stories, and, and I'll just, I'll just formulate them, even books. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really taking from anything. I mean, people who actually see my iPhone and, and take out my take out and have a look at my music collection or They'll be like, oh, my gosh, your taste is so eclectic. You've, you've just got everything from every style. And so I'm not, I'm not like, adverse to any, any particular genre or style. I'll have, I'll have a good listen to anything. And, yeah, yeah. also it depends on my mood. Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm going to listen to other people's music, uh, like, if I, if I want to feel deep, I'll go listen to something deep. If I want to feel party, um, I will, you know, go listen to something fun. So it's pretty simple. It's it's like kind of like just a mood thing for me. Um, yeah. Well, that's, and yeah, that's interesting because a lot of artists I talk, you know, there are some people that are into like genres and they're very like, uh, you know, tied to a genre. Like if you look at a lot of EDM DJs, they're kind of stuck in the drop kind of structure of EDM, and mm. they don't go and try to, 
you know, mix it with jazz or mix it with country or mix it with hip hop, or they kind of stay within the structure of a specific genre. And I've always found yeah. the artists that I'm interested in that I get drawn to are kind of cross genre um, artists that seem to do like a stream of consciousness kind of recording that they could, if you listen to your, your, your tracks, like Ginger Kisses and Rich Young Ruler and Sweet Whisper, they're, they start off with different instrumentation. Sometimes it's piano, it's synth, it's guitar. Um, and you have this like, like a sound painting style, which I kind of, Hendrix brought up back in the sixties when he did like Ladyland and somebody asked him, what, what is this sound? And he said, well, it's like a sound painting. And it was <laughs> yeah. the idea of this atmospheric, sound the electric lady kind of is that way it's kind of very progressive it's, it's somewhat like yes or or genesis kind of before then uh, and it has mm-hmm. this kind of feel that it's like a, a, a sonic painter and i think that's always appealed to me when artists kind of comparing a picture in their music that, that you can hear a story it's not always about like a banger kind of club beat it's more like mm-hmm. when you go slower in your beats per minute and you kind of let people kind of get drawn in uh mm. to, you, that's what you seem to you have that craft which i always enjoy i i, I like the way you construct your songs so you are doing a, a really great job at that so i, I appreciate it yeah thank you so yes yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's a, i was just going to say it's interesting that the way you say um painting a picture i just totally believe that with lyrics as well and if, if, if that is your thing in, in terms of songwriting craft, painting picture and just kind of pinning a story uh, or, or like and, and, and nailing that as a craft is definitely something I'm interested in too. So I'm always developing that side of painting a picture sonically but lyrically. Yeah, I've always been drawn to like Springsteen and um, Dylan in terms of their song craft. Uh, those, you know, some people today may not be into those artists, but they tell stories at a like it's like an unbelievable level even like a guy like johnny cash they they yeah. they tell stories and that's like the art of song craft is like if you go back to like the the canadian american band the band they used to back up dylan all their songs actually tell these like americana kind of folk tales and yeah and that structure even in the modern world i'm a keyboardist i'm kind of electronic musician i I will always tell people I'm really into Dylan and Cash. And it's like, well, what's that have to do with electronic? It's not really, it's more the song craft of, of the, of the lyrical capabilities of those artists They're, that, that always drew me in. I mean, even a guy like Connor Obers or Carol King, or, you know, you, you listen to this, you know, or Neil Diamond. If you, you look at the great artists that have this a capability to be able to relay a story and then put it into song. I've always liked to study that. And then on the flip, I would listen to like Coltrane or Sun Ra or Mingus because I'm a keyboardist and I'm into jazz. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives you like some bones when you're doing your work that actually, you know, think about classical structures or think about like a jazz structures. It just, it just adds to your sound. If you look at like hip hop, you know, Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are mixing genres. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are very interested in that type of music where you cross genre and you mix classically like progressive and you mix jazz, you mix hip hop. If you take all these things that are out there and you just kind of like pull from the ether of, of all mm-hmm. the things that are out there, I think that's what pushes music forward when artists are willing to like not be tied down. So I, I, I find it very encouraging when I talk to artists like yourself 
that are going that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I I find it encouraging too when I when I when I actually manage to make two different sounds or two or take from two different places musically and actually make them congeal within. Uh, yeah, the door like the DAW. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting how you can take a sample or you could take a homegrown like sound file that you create from like a Moog or you create from a teenage engineering OPZ or you pull from like you know from like Logic or anything that you. There's so many sources of 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 sound, and and mm. you just you have your feelings as an artist. And some mm. songs, they like I, I tend to use a lot of modes, but sometimes I'll use a sample off an OP1 or an OPZ. Um, and it's it's kind of like whatever I think is going to serve the song. I'm not really tied, totally. tied to it. Like if I'm feeling melancholy, I might pull something that's like, you know, jazz, like Coltrane or something, and, and pull something in. And if I feel funk, I'll be putting like a Bernie Worrell kind of P-funk uh, you know, it, so I'll just pull from different places, uh, depending on what I feel like. And, and I think that's kind of that, I don't know, that that's how I operate. But I, I do see there's a lot of musicians that, that have that kind of feel that can't really describe everything they're doing because they kind of just pull from the muse at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you're the kind of person that does pull from the muse and you're kind of open to wherever the song's going to serve the song. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's like, mm, I think part of writing is definitely, I find creating personally quite a spiritual experience. And so I, I, it is that muse that, that, that time, I mean, I will go away and actually like, you know, knock it out seriously, mm. but um, I will also just, it is sort of spiritual for me. It's like a, a place of where I just, let it hang out or find myself and and refine it later I always think okay just just let it let it all out even if it's a bit messy to begin with if it's not if it sounds stupid just just let it out and we can refine it we can work with it later on like I I'll, I'll get it better <laughs> now the question so, yeah I had a question because I've talked to artists sometimes you know like if you're you're a very if you're a perfectionist type of artist you know some artists will do like 20 takes 50 takes 100 takes or something but mm. what I found is that if you talk to a lot of artists and they, they and they get honest about when they're doing the work, they'll say like it's the first couple of takes that actually have the most honest version of the song. Um, yeah. And and so sometimes you you try to you know sometimes you got to fix it kind of issues you know with timing or, or 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 the structure or the quality, but sometimes there are situations where I've talked to artists and it's like yeah the vocal from like the second take is like the best one. And, yeah, and I, even it might technically have not be the best mic or or the best mix. It it just captured, and I can't recreate it, so I'm going to use it. Um, yeah, uh, have you found yourself like where you know the the original track you keep on going over it, but the the original version of your song, the first stages of it, you can, are are like the better version. Yeah, well, I I think whenever you listen back to takes, you're listening for emotion. And so it'll be whatever's the most emotional. I've, I've got a new song coming out soon. And uh, my the whole intro of it is actually done on my live mic. And uh, I just stood there and I uh, 
had this moment of inspiration and I sang it out and it was just, it was so, it was so good. We just worked with it. It's not the best quality, but um, we've got different microphones in, in the song. It's like five, five minutes in. And so there's different textures. And so the first opening is actually just not even our proper, like, I mean, it's decent, but it's, it's just, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's an example of capturing it at that time going, okay, that was the most emotional and that was, um, that had something special about it. And so you're right. It's looking for that emotion, the, the special, uh, the special vocal, which I'm getting better at because when I first started, it was like a little bit difficult to know, uh, how, how that all worked. And, and so I, I was a little bit more like, oh no, I, I want to try again. I want to try again. Mm. But nowadays I'm just like, oh, well, like, just give me five or six takes and and we'll we'll see how we go from that yeah and we'll just we'll just look for the best and also too because if it, uh, people who know what it's like once you start getting into vocal um you know processing and and all of that sort of thing you just kind of want to get that done quite quickly um and so yeah i for me it really is just what's the special the special vocal what carries the story and yeah now, I, I wonder, like a lot of artists, sometimes like when they get into their singing voice, it's actually kind of like an actor. It's like a it's like a character. It's actually mm-hmm. maybe not exactly who they are as a person, but it's like a like they've created like a character that is their their stage persona. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it kind of examples you go back to like Bowie, you know, like Ziggy Stardust or Aladdin fame <laughs> and how he would go into character. And like when Bowie first came out as just David Jones it didn't work but when he created Ziggy it worked and then he kind of was like a method actor he got into Ziggy like it was a real person and when Mm. he did and then you know Prince used to get into these modes also like he would create characters for each album Um, and Mm. and then he would kind of come at it from from a different character so the you know the kid from Purple Rain is different than the character he ran in like Love Sexy or Sign of the Times and so a lot of artists will, will kind of create this kind of um, you know, serve their art. Do you find that you actually are you doing in your work as like it's it's you as as a, as a, you're 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 not projecting another character into your music, or is that is it, is it actually just straight your own personality? I think it's a little bit of mixture of both. I think that uh, I like to play with character and, uh, but I also think there's a part of me as well. I I honestly don't think you can separate separate it entirely but I I do think that I yeah I mean I find what what yeah that is definitely something that I'm working on and and discovering yeah I found that sometimes artists do it to kind of protect themselves in a way um so that they create this kind of persona that's not exactly them but it has pieces of them you know, and it's it has it takes the personal, like pain or or happiness or whatever mode mood you're in, but then kind of channels it through this like kind of hyper character that's not exaggerated or change or different version of yourself. Um, yeah, I just find it's interesting that when you see a lot of artists, I've met you know people in New York City and they had this persona, but when I actually talked to them about like the work, they their persona was like not what they projected. Uh, like a hip hop guy, mm-hmm. they looked like really tough, like 
and, and then when you talk to them, they were talking about logic and everything like they were an engineer. Uh, and then I'm like, wow, that's not who I thought this person was, but that's what they project. And so it's like a lot of times in hip hop, there's a lot of projection of like an acting going on. Um, that's not exactly who they are. Um, but yeah, it happens in all genres, but I just think it's. I, yeah, I think it's what makes it interesting for the people, you know, like if you were just plain vanilla um, and straight up all the time, yeah. perhaps there's no mystery about you. And so I think that like all of us have layers and we're all, uh, we're like, we all have these different aspects or different masks of who we are. And so that's the holisticness of life and how we are layered, layered people. And I'll choose whatever I want to put on, like that mask for the day, mm-hmm. um, in, in a sense of creating a story or, or, or music. And I'll, I will go with that, like, yeah, I, I don't think you can call any human just a single facet. We're, we're so multifaceted. Yeah, everybody so wears I, a certain mask, you know, even when they're doing their normal day-to-day job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so uh, I think if you can be, it's a really interesting being transparent. If you can be transparent, but at the same time be interesting. And a lot of people say to me, I get this quite a bit, that they think I'm quite a mysterious person. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I I don't intentionally go out of my way to make myself mysterious. It's actually just, I feel like um, that's who I am. But um, it also plays quite well in terms of my mind and how I get to develop my art and craft. And yeah, so I think that um, creating characters or, or just... Uh, some people, a lot of artists maybe are quite shy. And so like we need to <laughs> find our superhuman strength to go out there and actually like put our art on display or perform. And we have to almost, there's something like we can get behind that uh, different persona, like that superhuman persona yeah, and get in there and really um, work it and, and allow that part to shine because I mean, you just want to display display that goodness and that fun. Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of times, you, like a lot of artists, you go back in the history of like famous artists, and they will present themselves as like super confident. You know, you get a guy like you know, again, Prince was like a really good example. He could be on stage and just own it, like he was like a king, you know. But if you talk to him in his personal life, he's like painfully shy, really hard, yeah. hard to pull anything out of him he just didn't really communicate that well and you know mm-hmm. even like Hendrix there are stories that he wasn't he was like bombastic on stage but very kind of like uh he was always kind of in like a blue mood he was like not what he projected in like real life he was like a little bit more complicated and and it was not easy to, to pull stuff out of him and it, it, it's interesting that a lot of these artists would, would project this like hyperbolic example of themselves on stage and they, they, they would say wow and then when you meet them they're like not that way at all um, mm. and I think it is like part of like when you get on stage you can kind of as an artist once you find that way to do a stage persona you kind of get lost in it you kind of get you, you when you play live I played live and you just kind of fall into it like if you're like a jazz musician you just get into the song so much it doesn't even really matter uh, like what's going on around you just get so into it that you just mm. to kind of lose yourself in the music and you just project 
the kind of power that the muse is giving you. I do believe music is very spiritual. I have a Native American kind of uh, you know, background in, in my life, and I just they kind of, kind of pull into that kind of spirit animal, you know, something. You know, I'm a Blackfoot Indian, and um, I just feel that you can pull from nature, you can pull from the from the surroundings, and you just kind of pull that energy and makes you stronger in that moment. And, uh, you know, it's like your vulnerabilities drop a little bit. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. But it's, it's just interesting how artists um, are able to, to project what, you know, what you, people who, who knew you like when you're younger and then they, they, they a lot of times people are very surprised at the, when they see these <laughs> visions, like, like I did not see that in that person. At all. You are spot on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah. So have you done a lot of live performing or, or, yeah, so I, I first started out, I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I first started out playing live in church, actually. So uh, that was where I kind of got my first live uh, experiences, which is kind of different because it's not exactly like you can be um yeah not like a, a, a complete yeah you can you can be a complete crazy person but however it's a good place to start you know it is giving you that experience I guess and uh so I was eventually asked to play at different events around the country like in, in New Zealand mm -hmm. which I would do but you know in in the finish I actually felt too comfortable in that space of um church like I wanted to explore more than just uh sort of the contemporary church writings and style and that musicality. And I couldn't shake off my desire for this exploration of furthering myself. So I, I think that's, that's what I'm doing now in terms of live I've done um, like outs, outside of, outside of church. I've done a couple of events, but as you know, with my songs, I've only got like two or three out there. Mm -hmm. However, I am sitting on a bunch of songs that I haven't released yet and me, I'm like currently planning an overseas tour for later next year. Awesome. I kind of can't talk about that right now, but that is what um, I'm planning. And so, um, yeah, it's just uh, it, playing live, I think, is the, oh, how do I describe it? I think it's like the ultimate expression <laughs> of how you how you get i mean i started out live i didn't start out recording that's and so that that's i think as a, as a singer and a musician it's good to actually have that kind of experience because that's where you always yeah. want to end up you know every youtube star or like social media star eventually gets out on a real stage and um ha exactly. having that experience at the beginning rather than you know only getting it after you get that youtube yeah, I think it's actually good for you as a, as an artist to have that experience. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was reading that you, you have over a million views on your production videos, which is probably going to help on your tour with with your <laughs> audience. Um, you know, to mm -hmm. actually have your audience there, you know, to follow you. And I think that's, that's mm. really interesting too, because maybe you can talk about like the process of how you create your videos um, and, because everybody says, you know, a lot of times, or, or you're, you know, everybody, you know, when you listen to a song, you can kind of picture it. The fan can picture what they want to picture. But when you create videos, you, the artist is kind of, they that's their vision of that song. Um, and so when you create your videos, how much involvement do you have with your directors on what, what it looks like? Or do you let the director kind of interpret what, what they think your song means? Yeah, well, I, I'm... 
I basically take over that whole side of things. I don't take over because I have no one I'm currently working with. So I just design the whole thing myself. And um, I would love to eventually work with a director in New Zealand um, or overseas in terms of like my music videos. But like for the one I've just just did a few weeks ago that like currently editing now, it was just simply like an idea. And it was like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to have fun with this mm-hmm. and, and totally just, um, just, yeah, kind of, I think when it comes to screen and music, I think they work really well together. And yeah, it's, it's something, yeah. This like it. I I really enjoy that expression of art. So yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to do way more. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes when you do a video, like I do a lot of like um kind of psychedelic, electronic stuff. I was like inspired by like Andy Warhol when he used to do with the Velvet Underground. He used to do this kind of very psychedelic, Pink Floydish kind of weird stuff going on behind it, and that's not doesn't necessarily mean anything, <clears throat> but it's visually interesting. It's kind of like when you, mm-hmm. the early days of MTV, you used to have video directors that would take a song and then the video had like nothing to do with the song. You know, it was just like, I was just going to make an artistic visual interpretation. <clears throat> and, and a lot of times it's very like stream of consciousness or just you know, have a storyline that totally matched the, story, the song. Um, Like it's more like a sound painting again. Like so, I'll write a sound painting and it has a meaning, but the video doesn't necessarily follow that. It's just like visually interesting or or strange or something I found that I think works with it. Interpret it however they want. So you try to follow the storyline or your lyrics, or or do you um, kind of take liberties with the I think it's important to, um, for me, I think it's important to have both so that you can uh, keep the, like, listener and the watcher interested. But you also, yeah, I think I think it's just important to have both. So a little bit of structure, but keeping the interest alive too. Yeah, I think it's like whatever's going to serve the, the video and the song in the same way. Like, you have some tangents that, you know, we have things that that are true to what the original concept is. You want to keep them in, you know, they think it's people are going to want to watch it. They're not going to turn away from it. So you have to have exactly. some, some uh, way to make it work. So I think yeah. whatever is that artistically makes it work, it's just another medium, which you can use, you know, when you go on tour, or you can have things going on behind you. That could mm. be like, you know, I'm, I'm very much into like rock opera. I, I'm, I'm a, a child of the 70s. I love Tommy. I love Quadrophenia. I love a lot of like, you know, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. So I like, I've actually created like, like electronic music rock operas um, in, yeah. in my catalog. Um, because that's, I find have, doing something like that, like a sound painting that actually tells a story that's a, that's a very interesting genre. And in hip hop, there's a lot, of, there seems to be a lot of that going on, concept albums within the hip-hop genre are very big uh it's not as big as in progressive rock anymore but but it seems like that hip-hop genre has found that tool um of of telling a story and a concept 
uh, and then having visuals to go with it has always been, you know, something that a lot of bands in the 70s used to be into. Um, so if you visually, like, when you go on tour, maybe, are you going to have an album to go with it, or are you still working on singles as, like, individual releases? I think that it, because I've got about eight to ten songs, I'll probably release them as singles and then tour them. Yeah, because that seems to be like the, the the kind of trend in the industry now is to release a lot of singles and then have them out there and rather than having a full album. <clears throat> yeah. Because when I joined my label, I actually have the ability to put out a lot of singles and they'll let me put out one album. Uh, but I've been kind of hesitant to put out the album because I've been like watching the performance of all the singles I put out over the last seven months. And I've kind of, I've, based on the, the feedback I'm getting from the audience, I'm kind of figuring out what I could put together based on the interest in the singles I've put out. But then again, totally. sometimes if you have an album, there are songs, even if they haven't really gained traction, they're part of the concept of the album. And so I would probably still include them just because there's a theme to the record. And even if the song, it's like a deeper track inside of an album, and that doesn't necessarily have to be popular, but if it's still part of the concept, I would probably include it. Yeah. So that's the difference. Like with an album, like you could have songs that maybe aren't going to be singles. Uh, mm -hmm. Then you have your singles in there, but, but the album allows you to have like a, a whole concept. So it, it, are you interested in an album? artists today that seem to kind of feel that albums don't work as much as they used to yeah I mean I, I really want to do an album one day but I, I think that um, I just I need to just kind of get a few different find out find out for me what works and for my fans like what works and what they like and what I like mm -hmm. and then we will um, you know get an album together of what everybody likes <laughs> yeah so a and, lot of and package songs. package that so up a lot of the songs because that I, you're holding on to would they be part of of, of a future album or you just all would be single releases at this point i would say at this point single releases uh to kind of keep up my my uh my output um with, with like an album uh maybe people would they don't make i i think like an album's almost like when people just want to sit there and play like oh how do I say this I think really established artists do well with albums mm -hmm. um, where where there's been like actually real thought and and kind of like the golden thread running through it and where you can actually sit there and listen from start to finish go man that was a cool album yeah like I really like that and you can't wait for the next I don't know how many years or 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 next year or whatever when they put out a new album and it's just there to sit there and just there's only some artists I find that I can actually sit there and listen to their whole album yeah so so yeah, I, I would like to get to that point one day where people could actually sit there and listen to my whole album start to finish and go, oh my gosh, I love it. I can't wait till when she does the next one. So yeah, so yeah I'm just, that's, future that's plan. like kind of, yeah, future, yeah, future plan. plan. Yeah, yeah, future plan. But I think there's, there's probably a lot to it. And also, I obviously don't, don't have a band. Yeah, yeah. And, and all that. So there's, um, yeah, there's there's that side of things too. So 
Yeah. I mean, I used to be in bands a long time ago and then I became like a, just a single artist and I kind of like do everything. Um, mm. so I kind of like my heroes, like Stevie Wonder and Prince, like they were guys that would just sit down and do the whole thing. But I have guitar players and drummers I've worked with. If I go on tour, I go with them. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, today what you can do, you know, because if you're in a home studio and you're like, oh, I'm just going to put the effort in, I'm going to play every instrument, I'm going to do everything, uh, you can. And if you have a vision and, you know, dedication to do it, but there's always that you know, the issue where like a real drummer is going to probably play better than anything you can do, you know, <laughs> a, a, a better guitar player than yourself could always do better. And so, the, yeah, there's always that kind of feel like why well, I could get a band bring in. But then also there's kind of like the, the intimacy of being a singer-songwriter. And even if you're not the best player on everything, if you play everything, it kind of has this feel of a singer-songwriter mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel like anything else. So then that in itself becomes the attraction of the music um, because it's, a, it's kind of this singular creation, which is interesting because then you can actually you know put material out in that way. And that's, uh, you know, tag, I, I, I signed because they liked what I was doing in that way. But, um, you know, to be a, a live performer, you usually have to have like a backup band, unless you're running like a DJ, then you don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a kind of merging of different things where you, as a singular artist, you can come out as an electronic musician, like with a Euro rack and be very experimental by yourself with the big mm. stack like a Keith Emerson and just kind of run it. Um, it, it is, there's a lot of different ways to do things today where the technology allows you to, to present yourself if you want to um, in that way. So it's interesting you say that you're going to have this tour that's very exciting. Um, do you think you'll end up in, 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 in the, uh, North America or will you primarily stay in your neck of the woods? Uh, my plan is definitely to get to North America. Um, but I have a few places that I plan to go first and, uh, for New Zealanders playing in your country, we, if we want to, uh, sort of play and make it worth our while, we have to have like a particular visa. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, you can't like kind of count, like I, don't trust myself with this information but yeah, yeah. um yeah but i think that i will have favor and um yeah i will i'll get there yeah and cool. yeah because I mean, i'm yeah. really into uh i love you know the, my, the whole point of my show is I, I i i'm a music fan and a musician and i like i like you i listen to everything and mm. um i just decided that i saw a lot of people on the net that were charging artists to talk and they were charging like absorbent fees. And I'm like, well, I just want to talk to musicians because I'm a musician and I think they, they should just be a free forum to be yeah, able to exchange totally. ideas. And, you know, through this, this, um, this podcast, I've actually done collaborations. I've actually met artists and we, you know, had like-minded and we put out projects and it's, it's just interesting. And I like to push other people's projects and just get people to understand there's this whole area of music, like in this underground of indie artists that are on, you know, platforms like Instagram and Facebook and YouTube 
that I think should get attention. That 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 I grew up with MTV when they actually used to, you know, run college radio bands and actually show videos of, for these bands. <laughs> wow. So so they actually would the indie scene was really being pushed at a high level, and then yeah. you know, and they used to interview bands um, that weren't in the top ten. You know, they were more at the bottom you know, hundred. Um, and so that, that always inspired me, to, you know, cause I had this punk aesthetic when I was young, I used to listen to bands like Who's to Do and the Replacements and, uh, Bauhaus and like a lot of bands that weren't super big, but like critically acclaimed and had a lot of, you know, good ideas. And it was just interesting when I was young, I could see these bands on MTV. I, I would see the replacements. I'd see Who's to Do. I'd see the talking heads. And now you don't really get to see that you see it on YouTube, you see it on SoundCloud, you see all these different um, other services. But I just wanted to be able to give artists a way to be able to express themselves and talk about their music in a kind of a free form. Um, so that's why I started doing this. But yeah, that's really cool. So um, you've already answered the question with that you have like uh, you know you, you you cross genre already. You already work with. You're not stuck to any particular genre. But have you thought about collaborating with people from different genres on your projects? Definitely. Uh, I think with Instagram, a lot of the collaboration requests just came flying in at an alarming rate for me. Yeah, that's the one cool thing about the platform. You do maybe get maybe more (laughs) than what you want. (laughs) Yeah, that that totally. And so I, I find for me, I'm I'm just I'm just looking at like, people that obviously the music interests me and and, um, and that I think just it'll be fun to do because, like, and, and if we can create something that we both like, and that's cool. And yeah, depending on their setup too. And yeah, and like, I, I just I just want to work with people almost better than me. Um, just yeah so I'm I'm so I can learn and grow and that's kind of my 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 thing is like if okay are you better than me awesome we can do this um yeah so well, that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah you know it's interesting how you how you can collaborate with with folks you know I I did a long distance collaboration with a with a woman who was an actress in in um, Los Angeles and you know, yeah. she was doing like EDM on the side and we put out an album um and and it was it, everything was just we had skype sessions where we talked and then we just sent files to google drive she would put it in the fl studio and i would put it into my zoom and we'd have meetings about you know sending vocals sending baselines sending you know stems and it was just really interesting that you we never physically met and everything was just done that way um yeah and, yeah and it's like the, it's, it allows you to work with people you know, I, I worked with uh, like Jen Eagle in uh, Denmark uh, on, a, yeah. on a track, and, and we never met. We just exchanged files. So, I mean, it, this, this, it's so open now that you don't actually have to go to Sunset Studios or go to uh, Sound City. You don't have to go to the like, big like studio in New York City to actually work mm. with somebody. You can actually, mm. you know, set it up and actually do it uh, yeah. a lot quicker. Uh, than than you would have thought. 
Yeah, I, I think that's where home studios have really kind of <laughs> taken off too, you know, just that you can actually go away, you can work on your material and then you can send it to different people like um, in the industry. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and I think that the thing with social media is, yeah, you, I do get a lot of um, collaboration requests. So I'm, I'm like, I'm open to that and um, I will go through, they'll send me their material and I'll go through and have a listen and uh, we'll connect and, and yeah, I like it because I get, I've, I mean, everybody who I've worked with and I've met have basically come through that form and I think it's, it's fun and there's this kind of community that gets built and we get to help each other out and, and enjoy each other and, and that for me is like really exciting so yeah it's and they they kind of keep up to date with what I'm doing vice versa and yeah so it's like growing that community and um of of musician different industry people whatever your kind of producers mixes whatever your thing is so yeah yeah so it's really uh, interesting you know because um you know the the arrangement I have with my label that the, the recording engineers take my stuff and then they engineer it and then they send it back to me and they have like an art program where they they work. I actually create a lot of the art for my covers for my releases, but then they do the logos and stuff. And we kind of go back and forth on what what it looks like, but it's all on the net. You know, I've never actually gone to my label's office in New York, <laughs> I, 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 even though New York's not that far from where I am in New Hampshire. Um, I haven't had to go. <laughs> mm. And it's just interesting today that in, in this world that you could actually like never set foot into your label's office and still be putting stuff out. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it, the, the current state of the music industry though is interesting. I think the, the, the social media allows like a lot of people to get through the gate that back in the seventies and the sixties, like the labels kind of controlled who would actually even get out uh into the world but now there's like so many artists that can get out there but whether or not you can get traction uh and then also like how the streaming services pay artists is like up in question with some artists thinking that we're not really getting the conversation we deserve so what what are your thoughts about like how music is distributed and what's going on in the industry yeah i mean i don't do music for the money like I have um, different sources of of that so I guess I'm not super pressurized in that area as some some artists are uh, which I, I understand them I mean I think that it's really cool that we can I can find new people all, all through these different ways like you say it's it's just opened up to so many different people and I get to um, meet people from America and like just all over the world and and that's for me it's just like really mind-blowing especially because I'm in New Zealand and you know we're only a country of so many people like four million people um, as opposed to your country and so there's just so much more opportunity in that sense to meet more people and and find find people you know somebody's gonna like what you do so it's it's a matter of finding that and then uh, for me with streams I just it's obviously uh big streams you just need big like you just need big numbers eventually so to, I I like I'm not there yet but the obviously the people in the top 10 would know that you know finally they're supposed to start making money on 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 streams and and tours 
and all of that. But for the little people, yeah, I think it could be difficult for them. Yeah, what I find with those smaller indie bands, they're like less than a hundred thousand like streams or or views um, on any of the platforms like SoundCloud. Uh, the the issue is that you, the only way you make money is actually like selling merch. <laughs> like yeah, you're selling yeah. like a t-shirt or you sell a button or you sell a poster or you sell like a vinyl version of your album that you self-produced and made, made a thousand copies you'll make more than what your what spotify will send you um mm-hmm. and that's how you actually make your money uh that, that yeah. spotify becomes more like the radio the, the, the soundcloud <laughs> yeah. becomes more like the radio to get you out there so you can get into a club in new york city but you mm. actually make money because you sold like 200 copies of your vinyl at New York venue uh, mm. is how you actually made your money, uh, which is, you know, where you get an advance and they have a tour manager and have all these things. And, you know, they have people putting their songs on the radio with the DJs system on the radio networks and you would get the money from your sales in the record stores. Um but now people don't really buy records except like what I found is they buy them in at least the U S if you play a show and you bring your vinyl or you bring a cassette or you bring a CD, you will sell that physical copy at the show. Um, but yeah. You have a hard time selling it on the net. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have to get really big to be able to sell it on the net um, mm. at a profitable level. Um that's what it seems like the way the industry is right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think it's, yeah, it's utilizing what we have and how it is now to just keep on growing, just keep on moving forward and, and kind of pushing, uh, like pushing ourselves into that position where we just keep on gaining more fans and more people and we're connecting and we're growing and, putting out more content and more songs and using what we have for our benefit. So, so um, yeah, in terms of like the industry honoring artists uh, that, I mean, it's, it's such a big thing. And I suppose that's why they have all sorts of lawyers and people looking into it. And yeah, I, I obviously, the more money artists can make, I think definitely the better. Yeah. I think people have been kind of concerned about the, the rate, that people get paid or even yeah. crediting the plays accurately. You know, yeah. there's an artist that <laughs> yeah, you yeah. get with your publisher and then you get, you know, somebody checking what these streaming services are saying they're running versus like you have like your publisher that goes out and checks. Sometimes there's like big discrepancies which have caused people to be kind of concerned uh, mm. about what's actually going on. Um, but, you know, that gets into the mechanics and the politics and whatever of the mm. day-to-day. But, yeah, you know, artist rights are always important. Like you, you write to your material to make sure people are not, you know, like, uh, abusing your, your music and not, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, everybody wants to get paid for the work they do. And they don't course, necessarily yeah. want to be rich, yeah. but they don't want to have people, like, abusing their music and not paying for samples or not paying for, you know, uh, using your your imagery or whatever. There's always yeah. that stuff that gets complicated, and you don't want to spend time on stuff like that because you 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 want to create art, but sometimes mm. like you have to have certain level of awareness of that, or because can they burn you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting. 
Um, so, so in terms of um, new material, I've seen your new release with your latest release for 2019 is um, the, the song that we had talked about briefly. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Rich Young Ruler in, in the radio edit, is that the, that's the latest track? Everybody... Yeah, that is the latest track. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, maybe talk about that and then we'll probably kind of uh, sign off and then we'll talk about how this gets distributed. But yeah, maybe you could talk about like um, that release uh, and maybe the future releases that come out or are, are other songs going to be in that, that type of sound that you have for that album, song or you, <laughs> or you, you've indicated that you have a lot of different um uh like styles so that doesn't necessarily represent everything that would come out in 2019 is going to sound like that right yeah yeah like this um one that i'm uh, like just in the middle of wrapping up Uh, i've I've wrapped it actually it's been finished for months but i'm just doing the admin side at the moment and um so yeah this that that is quite different um it's probably more mm, like guitar based and it's it's almost like I'm singing differently too Mm -hmm. and so um I I'm looking forward to just having those contrasts and and as opposed to what I was doing in Rich Young Ruler which was um kind of more I I guess a little bit more poppy or upbeat um while at the same time still being kind of dark and and having those moments so yeah that's I'm, I'm looking forward to just growing, growing my different displays of sounds. Like, somebody, I feel like yeah. If somebody's going to ask you like what genre you would put that song in, what would you say that is? Rich Young Ruler. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Okay. So I I asked um, a lot of people that, and some people said straight down the line pop, and I was like, oh, I I mean maybe yeah, it could be, but I think that. Um, it could be alternative, maybe, if you were to like indie, put it, it could in be there. like indie pop, you know, like a, a, a very, yeah, because it's kind of like an indie pop, you know, sound. But that kind of opens up to a lot, you know, alternative's kind of been overused. It's not exactly representative of what's going on today. Uh, yeah. It's like more like you hear things like synthwave and psytrance and, you know, dark pop and, um, you know, which kind of comes from this idea, you know, evanescence style, kind of dark pop kind of focus. Um, there's, there's been a lot of work in that genre, which is, or dark wave, synth wave. People have been kind of saying different things, kind of coming up with new ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a new perspective on it. I, I think like uh, maybe I could just align myself with dark pop for that. Yeah. Um, for now. Yeah. I think yeah. Dark pop is getting bigger. I, I actually talked to a dark pop, dark pop artist la- last week, and it seems to be kind of like Evanescence is getting more um, uh, reference uh, in terms of like where people are coming from. It's where everybody's coming from, but that's everybody. people understand that in the U.S. If you say dark pop, and what's that like? It's like Evanescence. Go, oh, okay, I understand that. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like like I'm a I'm a synth wave, new wave, new romantic. Go back to bands like you know, like uh, New Order, Depeche Mode. You know, that's kind of like we're heavily synth focused. That's where I like live, where people are using Mogues and Prophets and Jupiter Eights. 
just the mechanics of it, but I love the sound of those analog polysynths. Uh, mm. And that's kind of where I focus because they just bring this kind of lavish sound if you're trying to create sound paintings with synths. The analog polysynths from the 80s just have this sound that, mm. that just layer you with this like overwhelming power. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that I find digitals can do things that are cool, but the analog synths can just evoke like emotion like the way guitars can. Um, mm. And that's where I kind of live in that zone. You know, mm. with bands like, uh, uh, you know, they're <clears throat> probably the most, Churches is probably the band I, I appreciate a lot because they do use of the Juno 106 with Roland's like old polysynth from the 80s. Um, yeah. But that, I like the way they structure. And then they have that kind of dark pop nature because even though they sound kind of happy, the lyrics that come out of Churches are not. <laughs> but their new wave yeah. beats are, are it's kind of cool because they have this new wave kind of like very charming kind of uplifting beat but the lyrics are kind of dark mm. so it's kind of this dichotomy of having like like the synth wave new wave sound with this dark lyrical content which I think is interesting I always find people use duality or dichotomy I like that I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And like, I think uh, it's like, uh, this is completely off topic, but it's like a woman in a wedding dress. Sometimes she goes and takes pictures next to a wall of graffiti. <laughs> yeah. Just to, yeah, to just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The things you can do with yeah. art, you can do this kind of duality dichotomy kind of yin yang thing where you can show all this like layered stuff that like, oh, the, the, that's a little more complicated than it seems, you know. Yeah. Or you're trying to evoke like uh, some con things. Um, exactly. Yeah, which I, you always want people to be kind of drawn in and not pass by something. So you have to kind of, you know, put the red flag up a little bit as an artist and try to like oh, get draw somebody in. Um, yeah. So you got to create the first couple seconds of a song. You got to get them to not skip it. Um, mm. So you got to find out like what's gonna really in the first twenty seconds of the song get somebody to, so they don't hit the skip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as an artist, like, how do I draw that? Definitely as an artist, what's gonna what's gonna work? Yep. Well, it's great talking to you, Ezra. I, 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 what we like to do is we've had people come on three, four times. Um, to talk about new material or new releases or tours. So in the future, if you have a lot of new material to talk about, we typically have done episodes where we've actually kind of previewed people's albums and discussed tracks on new releases. Like if you have things that you want to put out uh, and talk about in the future, if you have like a bunch of singles and then you want to talk about them in the next couple of months, you can come back on. That's great. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Yeah, so we're very uh, happy to have you on. We're on, like we said, we're on. Seven podcast platforms around the world, including Apple and uh, Google and uh, Radio Public, Stitcher, a bunch of other ones. Um, So this will go out to all those uh, platforms within the next hour or two. And we'll start to send you the links as they get published. Cool. And we will include your hyperlinks uh, to your song um, uh, link that you have on your Instagram. 
and we will include Great. the Spotify link, and these are actually clickable on all of these platforms. That oh, cool. Yeah, and, and Instagram also will we'll create a highlight on the Phantom Electric Ghost Expansive Sound Instagram that allows people to click directly to the Spotify version of the podcast. That's awesome. Yep. So we are happy to have you on and have a great um, evening, right? It's evening in your area. It is indeed. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to start my day today and have my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were up early. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we're glad to have you on and thank you very much for being on the Fan Bucket Go Show. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>